0: Thanks for listening to the Revival Today podcast with Evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. To stay connected, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or online at revivaltoday.com. Now, here's Evangelist Jonathan. So you saw the title, Why Are Major Ministries Failing or Falling? Um, I'm not going to go into specific ministries. Let me let me make sure I do not dis- so I'm not going to go into, uh, hey, Eric, Chris, love all of you. And this is not meant to be a critique of the people who, who fell. It's bad when people fell. It's been bad when people fell. It's bad when people fall. It's not good when people fall. You never, if you have a if you have sense, you never rejoice. You know, people that are in the ministry with you, are not your enemies. They're your co-laborers in the gospel. Love you, too. Thanks for all the nice words, everybody. All right, I'll get started. So, uh, I don't have notes or anything. Hey, Cincinnati. And this will be kind of like a back and forth between us because I'm doing this live from my kitchen table. But um, I just wanted to address... Basically, the one thing that you can trace problems back to if a ministry falls. And um, I know I have a lot of ministers that are watching and will watch this, but the same goes for business or whatever else you do. Lester Summerall taught that there's only three reasons or three ways that people fail. The old time preachers would say, don't touch God's gold, don't touch God's glory, and don't touch God's girls. So, what that meant is, people fail by adultery, the girls, people fail by gold, financial impropriety, or uh, touching God's glory, which is, there's guys I could name that... that You would know that when you start exalting yourself, you're going down a bad road. You're going down a a Luciferian road. You know, how great you are. I'm God's man, that kind of thing. So if you guard against those things, you don't fail. But the one thing that I would say that you could probably break it down even more simply to that opens a door to all those things is alcohol, I have, uh, in the interest of full disclosure, I never had anything to drink growing up in high school or anything the whole time I was in my parents' house, which is no big deal because if you grew up in my parents' house, you too would have never had anything to drink. There's no chance you, anybody would have grown up in my home and had alcohol. I mean, it, it wasn't possible. And then um, once I went to Bible school, It was interesting to see how there were a lot of people that grew up in good homes that as soon as they got some freedom, they started drinking. One kid that I went to college with was a preacher's kid and he almost died. He got a job at a country club by the Bible school and um, he almost drank himself to death. They found him passed out in the grass outside of his dormitory because when he would get done working at the country club, he'd drink with everybody. Uh, I didn't drink when I was in college and I haven't anything to drink since at my wedding or anything. Alcohol. Now people are free to disagree with me and they do, but they're wrong. And this, this glut of ministries that have fallen are proof. Again, this is why I don't drink. Can you make a case from the Bible that you can drink without going to hell? I'm sure you can. But all the decisions you make in life shouldn't be made. In fact, I would say none of the decisions that you make in life should be made solely on <coughs> will I go to hell for doing this or not? You, you, What did Paul say? All things are lawful but not all things are expedient. That means there's things I can do that aren't going to help me in life. I got a Big thing of Haagen Dazs ice cream in the freezer. Yeah, I wouldn't go to hell if I went and ate that whole thing right now, but I might as well quit quit working out because I just undid the whole thing. If I if I go and do that, so you don't you don't ask questions and make decisions based on um, what you can do and still go to heaven. You ask yourself the question: What's best? Is this best for me to do? And if it's not, don't do it. And I'm going to tell you, you pretty much have, from the 1950s (coughs) through the 2020s now, you have a 70-year track record that if you're in the ministry or if you're a Christian and you mix alcohol into the equation, things don't go better, things go worse. I think even if somebody that was watching was pro-drinking or pro-alcohol, I think they would at least have to concede that. Alcohol makes things go worse. There's a looseness if you've ever been around people who drink. They don't get more buttoned up when they start drinking. They get less buttoned up. They get relaxed and loose. They get loose with their speech. They get loose with how they are with people of the opposite sex nearby. You know, if a guy has a problem being inappropriate with the opposite sex, he might be able to keep it, control of it when he's sober, but he starts drinking and all of a sudden he, that's when he starts getting handsy or saying inappropriate things to the waitress or whatever. And then nowadays, same with same sex. If a guy's got a problem with the same sex but he's got it on the, on a leash and he can control it and keep keep it under subjection if he starts drinking that side comes out i've never understood how a christian could ever be around somebody who drinks alcohol and have a desire to drink alcohol i told you when i grew up i never had anything to drink because i was in my parents my you know my dad's a preacher and i wasn't allowed to drink But now I'm 41. I can do whatever I want. And being around people who drink, you know, you're obnoxious and you don't know you're being obnoxious. You're making a woman feel uncomfortable with what you're saying to her, but you don't know that you are. You know, you got some like guy in his late 50s, early 60s. Even my age, 41, you know, you get some drinks and you think you're hot now and you start flirting with somebody that's 20 years younger than you and she, she's, like, very uncomfortable. But you think you're, like, Um the most interesting man who ever lived from the beer commercials. I would hate to not, I would hate to be a fool and not know it. I would hate to be acting like an idiot and annoying four tables of people around me. And I think I'm, like, uh, the life of the party and everybody loves being around me. So whatever case you want to make from the Bible about drinking, which the Bible has a lot to say about drinking. I think like one of them is pop. <coughs> <coughs> Sorry. I think like one of them is positive. One of them's like neutral and a glut of them are negative. Wine is a mocker. All those who are led astray by strong drink are unwise. You know, a lot of the ministries that fell, I've preached with their ministers. As soon as the meeting's over, they break out the alcohol and they start giving you, you know, let me tell you, if you're not drinking, they give you a hard time because now they're not free. You know, if you're a preacher and you drink and everybody else in the room's drinking, then you can just enjoy yourself. But if there's one guy that won't drink, now they're uncomfortable. Come on, have something to drink. What are you? You know, one guy told me, boy, your life's going to change when you discover the grace message. You know, oh, you're that legalistic, that kind of thing. Let me tell you, what people call legalism, I would rather err on that side than err on the loose side. There are places I won't go. There are things I won't do. Um... There are places I won't sit. I'm not, I'm not doing it. Let's talk about this for a little bit. I hope you have a little bit of time. I won't, I won't waste your time, but this is worth talking about. In the old days, like I, even though I would be considered legalistic from, from some people's perspective, there's things I'll do that my dad's generation would not do. And, and the generation before my dad would not do. Want me to give you an example? Let's say the nicest hotel in a city where I'm preaching is a casino hotel. I'll stay there. My dad's generation and the generation before him, <coughs> they wouldn't stay there. Because even though you're not gambling or anything, they wouldn't want to be seen in the casino because the Bible says avoid the appearance of evil. So if somebody sees you walking through, which could happen in my case, you know, let's say, let's say you've been telling your, um, think of this, let's say you've been telling your cousin about my ministry. You need to go see Jonathan preach. I'm telling you, he's a mighty man of God. He changed my life. And then your cousin that doesn't go to church is at the casino gambling and I walk through. He's not going to say, well, he's probably just staying at the hotel. No, he's going to say, hey, you know that preacher that you like? I saw him the other day at the casino and he could say that and then he can use that as his reason why he doesn't go to church he could make accusations that i gamble and to avoid all that 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 old generation of ministers would not even be seen at a place like that even if they weren't doing anything wrong there were old ministers they used to teach at Rama kenneth hagen school that um don't order a root beer in like the frosted glass because it would look like you're drinking. They were very big on avoiding the appearance of evil. You used to not be able to hold credentials with a, um, with a Pentecostal denomination if you golfed on the golf course because gambling went on at the golf course. Cigar smoking went on. So I know people think I'm legalistic, but I'm actually like, I've moved... I've moved way (coughs) more to the liberal end than than like what my grandfather was under because I will stay in a casino hotel. And if somebody wants to make accusations that they saw me at the casino, I'm willing to live with it to not stay at a Motel 6 or whatever. But I would like to know, people are so big. Let Let me talk about this to you. People are so big on what God forgives, but they don't think about what man forgives. You not only need a good reputation with God, you need a good reputation with people. So I can ask my neighbor, you know, my neighbor here attends my church. I could ask him, listen, I need a new car. Dallas needs a new car to take Camila to school. And I don't have the money for the down payment. Could I borrow $5,000 for the down payment on a car and I promise I'll pay you back? And him give it to me and me never pay him back. Well, I could ask God to forgive me and God (coughs) very well may forgive me. I could ask him to forgive me and he may forgive me, but I guarantee he's not gonna come to my church anymore. And I could, uh, he's a good guy, so he might not do it. But other people are gonna have a hard time not telling people. Hey, um, I noticed. I noticed you're going to the Presbyterian Church, didn't you? Used to go to that Jonathan guy's new church. Yeah, I did. Why don't you go? Well, you know, don't tell anybody. I'm not trying to run him down, but he asked if he could borrow five thousand dollars to get a down payment for his car, and then he gave it away, and uh, or, or, or he he got the car and he never paid me back, and I, he wouldn't return my calls. Then after about two years, he came in, he wrote me an apology letter. But, you know, though I'm forgiven by God and I might even be forgiven by him. Someone's not going to have you as their leader when you're shady or you, you do things that are void of integrity. So when you're in the ministry and the Bible teaches this, the Bible teaches that a minister is worthy of double honor and that a minister also has double accountability. I'm not knocking other Bible schools, but we're starting a Bible school in August, you know. Anybody that has sex while they're training for the ministry outside of marriage, they're gone first time. If you're make, if you're messing up like that while you're training for the ministry when the devil doesn't even know who you are, then just save yourself the trouble and go get a job. I'm not tolerating. I'm not, I'll tell you for me, I don't have this European, United States, Australian softness for sin. I've said this before when I've taught, and I want to tell you that are watching this and those of you that are going to watch the replay. Don't fall in love with the mercy side of God. Fall in love with the instruction and principle side of God. Yes, (coughs) if I mess up, (coughs) God will forgive me. But maybe I should teach on this again because a lot of my old teaching that I used to do is starting to come back to me. mistakes are costly this isn't really like a note-taking type of thing but you can write it in the comments if you do happen to have something to write down i do want you to write that down it's the opposite of what you're going to hear other people teach mistakes are costly one minister divorced his wife i think he thought it wouldn't really be that big a deal he, did, he's, he was a TV preacher. He didn't really feature her on the television program at all. So he thought he could divorce her and, you know, it wouldn't be a big deal. They hadn't lived together in years anyway. He lost 70% of his ministry partners when he divorced his wife. So those people should be more forgiving. Well, they're not. So if you, they expect you as a spiritual leader to role model a certain kind of life for them to actually do, you know, and there, there is an element of that as a leader, you have a responsibility as a, as a pastor or a minister to show people that what the Bible says you can have in life. You can have a sound marriage, children who serve the Lord. That is part of the package. And you always notice when people fall, they always will just start taking shots at the church. The church is the only organization that kills its own wounded. When I, when I needed picked up, my own denomination kicked me out. Well, you shouldn't have had an affair. There are consequences when, when you fail as a leader. You failed. You know, you can't even repent unless you acknowledge your failure. So, and that's to me, that's the sign that somebody is very deluded by sin is even after they sin, there's no remorse. They're only angry at whoever gave them consequences. Can you imagine if they found like, if it, if it came out that I had another family in Indiana and when I had meetings in the Midwest, I'd go live with that wife and child let me tell you something when that came out let's say i was scheduled to preach at rodney howard brown's minister's conference he's probably going to call me and say listen I'm not, I'm not i i need i need you to sit this one out it's not really the best time now i would expect that but if i was like how people are I'd be like, can you believe that even he turned his back he didn't turn his back on you there's a credibility that you have to have as a minister And you can whine all you want about the church killing its wounded and all that. If you sin, your ministry is going to go down. And you really need to understand that just because God forgives you doesn't mean people forgive you. The Bible talks about in Proverbs that adultery is a sin that leaves a stain that is not erased. Now, God will erase it, but people remember. If I leave Adolis and Camila and abandon them and go run off with another woman for three years and then I come back and Adolis receives me and we go to counseling and I'm able to bring my family back together, God will forgive me. Adolis and Camila may forgive me, although although there would be a lot of hurt. But people... (coughs) It's going to take a long time to build that credibility back with people if you can ever build it back. I don't know how people don't know that. So I'm telling you, don't fall in love with the mercy side of God. Well, God's merciful. You know, there's a guy, he wrote a song. I could tell by the lyrics of the song that he was going to have problems. Because if, if he believed like this, he was going to have problems. He, he had an open door for sin. You could tell from the lyrics of the songs. It was basically, um, I fail, but Father, please keep me in your reach. In other words, I'm not going to walk in your perfect will, but don't ever let me get so far from you that you can't reach me. That's no way to live. You shouldn't pray, Lord, keep me in your reach. And that's what the lyrics were. I'm not reading into it. Sometimes I go, I do things on my own. Sometimes, you know, you're you're just making allowance. Not I did things on my own. I have done things on my own. I'm going to continue to do things on my own. But keep me in your reach. You should have a desire to stay dead center in the perfect will of God. There's no place like the perfect will of God. Do you know... After we finished all night prayer and the Saturday night service and the Sunday morning service, I felt the Lord speak to me to take the week off, just chill. So I never, I took most of the week off. I did check the news Thursday night, a morning broadcast Friday, Friday afternoon prayer, and then I flew to Iowa. Do you know it was the third best financial week in our ministry's history? Do you know why? It doesn't make any sense. I didn't take any offerings that week. Everything I did was a recipe (coughs) to have one of our three worst financial weeks. But because I obeyed God, Jonathan, rest. Then his blessings on it. Stay in the perfect will of God. Love you in Cape Town, Kyle. Love South Africa, love Cape Town. You're going to find very few people that fall into sin that do it stone cold sober. Alcohol makes people loose. Alcohol lets makes people put their guard down. And there's a lot of large ministries that have now been reduced to rubble in the last six months that all have alcohol in common. And if... Before they fell, if they heard this video, they would, oh, listen to him. Guy needs to chill out. I'm not chilling out. I've got my guard up. I blaze a trail, basically, from my church office back to my house. I'm not milling around where where you can get in trouble. I was telling a preacher before I went on with you guys. It took me 21 years working hard to get to where I'm at right now. Not that I'm at the pinnacle of of life and ministry, but I I am at a, you know, I've, I've gone past where I was and I'm at an enjoyable place. The church is growing, everything's growing. I'm enjoying this, to think about throwing it away, for what, for what? That guy that wrote the song I was telling you about, they found that he got in a bunch of trouble, lost his church. He he left his wife, started dating another lady, took her to Las Vegas, and took the church American Express card and bought her a bunch of stuff at the casino to, to look like he's a big, rich man. He ends up losing the church. I have no interest in that. Number one, I like Adalis. Now, you can't think, you understand sin's spiritual. So people, there's a deceitfulness, the Bible talks about, that comes with sin. So you can't analyze why people do what they do it it's a it's a demonic delusion where you think it's different for you than for other people I'll say this too cuz I'm 41 now I think you need to be careful when you're my age through about 60 People go through, uh, there's a genuine midlife crisis people go through. It's like you realize, like, so this is the only woman I'm ever going to be with. So this is the only man I'm ever going to be with if you're a woman. Uh, I I want more. And people start making crazy decisions when they hit my age. Because now you have a little bit of money to get in trouble with. And you, you, it starts feeling like the end's closing in on you and you want to get everything out of this earth before you go. You know, I don't want to analyze what that other preacher did. That's probably what happened with him. I don't want this to be the only woman I ever sleep with. Got, you know, I'm, I'm successful. I'm handsome. i want to get me some other lady and take her to Las Vegas. Take my church credit card and just go have fun. Be careful. Be careful where your thought life goes. See, the world, in the world, you have to get everything right now because 60s, retirement, 70s, death. But it doesn't work that way with God. With God, if you stay straight, your life explodes at 60 and explodes even bigger at 70 and explodes even bigger at 80. Stay on the path and stay straight. Don't put alcohol in the mix. And I'm sure a lot of the guys my age, especially down in Australia and a lot of my friends in Europe will mock the advice that I'm giving you right now, but check up on both of us in 15 years. I'm not saying that in pride. You take one minister that abstains from alcohol and you take another one that puts it in the mix. I'll tell you which one I'd gamble on, doing better in life. Keep a guard on your life. Don't listen to all these new ministers that basically relax you. <coughs> How many know you can't ever out God's grace, amen? No, you can Hell's full of people who outsend God's grace. And sadly, there'll be more. What a shame to end your life in disgrace. You know, you goof up at 70, there's not enough time left to make amends for it. When you look up people's bios on um Wikipedia, lots of the bios have this section, like um, arrest, arrest and aftermath. You know, it's like everything's going good, then there's a problem. I've made up my mind, and I guess the whole point of this broadcast is to have a few hundred people also make up their mind that I'm not going to have a section of my biography on Wikipedia that says fall, fall arrest um now controversy is one thing you know if it's for what you preach or whatever but there's not gonna be anything controversial about you know you're an affair I promise you you're never gonna catch me out to eat with another woman ever for any reason it'll never happen cause that looks shady so if you just avoid shadiness You'll avoid sin, avoid the appearance of evil. That's a way of saying avoid looking shady. I told you one time when I was 23, it's the only time it ever happened to me. I had um, an airline stewardess. I might've been 22. She was probably like late 30s or early 40s. She was seated by me. She wasn't working the flight. She was like being flown somewhere to work another flight. And she talked to me during the flight, and then she said, "You want to go get dinner?" And I was going to say yes because I had a four-hour layover. I was single; I didn't even have a girlfriend. And I thought to myself, "Well, what would it hurt?" You know, I have to eat dinner anyway; it'd beat eating alone. But I thought, you know what? Here's the thought that came to me: Let's say I said, "Okay, I'll eat with you," and we're eating in the in the airport. And we're on, like, the outdoor seating where if you're walking to get your flight, you can see the people eating. Let's say another preacher walked by that I know and he saw me eating with an airline stewardess and he came over and said, hey, Jonathan, would I be nervous? Would I, uh, hey, um, this, I met her on the plane and, you know, we, were, we both needed to. You know, anything that you would have to, like, oh, uh, anything you're not, pr- let's put it this way. <coughs> Anything you're not proud of, don't do. If you have a boyfriend that you don't want your pastor to meet, he's probably not worth dating. If you have a girlfriend that you don't want anybody at church to know you're dating, it's probably the wrong one. If, you're, if you would go out to eat with somebody and your pastor walked in and it would cause you to, uh, you know, you're not with the right person. You should be with people that you're proud to be with them. Tomorrow, I'm going to a baseball game. I'm going with Pastor Bob Rogers from Kentucky. Nobody's going to walk over to, oh, uh, no, he's a good guy. I'm not doing anything shady. Guard your life. It's worth guarding. There's a looseness that's been sold to our generation. And I'm telling you, you'd be wise to go in the other direction. Don't be loose with your life. Well, you guys get awful concerned about a cough. You know what I've noticed in 41 years? They go away, so I'm not concerned. I feel fine. It's not a big deal. I appreciate the concern, but it's a cough. It's not freaking leukemia, so no big deal. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing you in Salem, Oregon. I'll be on Check the News tonight. 10 30 eastern time if you've never watched it or if you used to watch it watch tonight it's going to be a good one and then i broadcast in the morning at 10:15 a.m on our app and here where you're watching me um what should i give just to you how about this i don't know how many books they are it looks like there's at least 40. But anybody that sows $1,000, I'm going to send you every one of Dag Haywood Mills' books and every book I wrote. How's that? Just a little challenge. Don't miss Resurrection Sunday. So on the claim your offer, let them know you are watching me live on Facebook. Um, what was I going to say? Please come for Resurrection Sunday. I'm believing for a thousand people. Help me get there. 10 hours away, 20 hours away. Come see me one weekend. We're going to have a blast. I will make it worth your while. I I guarantee it. Let me pray for you before you go. Father, thank you that your word says, Give no place to the devil, which means you've given us power to give no place to the devil. May the devil never find a place. Anywhere in our lives. Help us keep our guard up. In Jesus' name. Thank you for power to live holy. Thank you for power to live in victory over sin. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Quest, Pastor Quest. You're very close. It's hashtag donate, not hashtag give, but I really appreciate it. Love you, Matthew in Australia. Oh, that's great, Brandon. See you soon. Thanks, Andy. Thanks, Quest. I'm going to send you, and you'll like those books. The ones I'm sending you are like almost all of them deal with the ministry, transforming your pastoral ministry. Thanks for the first thousand. I love you, Pastor Stan in Louisiana. Love you too, Kelly. I love you, Aunt Lou. Tell uh, your husband, my uncle I said i you love you listen to me in Cape Town I'm glad Cape Town I haven't been to I've been a ton of places in South Africa, but not there, and that's usually the first stop, but whatever love you in Fort Worth, love you, Ronnie, God bless you, Stan. Pastor Stan, make sure you mark it so I send you the books. Planning on bringing a carload of sick and alcoholics to the May 6th service. I'll be ready. Thank you, Mindy. I won't, Brandon. I've never seen it. I'll, I'll be very kind. Which is a big deal, Matthew, in Australia. Because I've heard everybody, Christians, all drink down there. But I promise you, you won't regret it. Oh, I didn't know that quest. That's awesome. Awesome, Rebecca. Rebecca. All right, well, now that Facebook will give me a decent amount of people to watch, maybe I'll do these more often. Hey, this is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I want to thank you for listening to my podcast, or if you're listening to my wife's. Thank you on her behalf. If you want to be more than just a casual listener and stand with us as we take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, go to revivaltoday.com and click Give Now and be a part of the 1,000 monthly partners that we're believing for. I have a special gift that I'll send to you today, and I'll say thank you in advance. Until next time, thanks for listening. See you later.